Well, good evening, everybody. We're a few minutes after here, so it's probably time we get into our study. <clears throat> this quarter, we are studying on Wednesday nights here in the auditorium resisting Satan. That is our topic. That is what we are taking a look at in the many different aspects of Satan, his characteristics, his different names, and what our battle with him looks like. <clears throat> tonight, our subheading or our subject for tonight is the power of temptation. And I would like to, as best I can, to camp out as our home base tonight in James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And before we get going too much further down the road here, let's uh, say a word of prayer. Most holy God, our loving Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Lord, we are mindful of you as our God. We proclaim you as our God. We are aware of your steadfastness towards your people. We pray that you would be with us tonight, that you would bless us in our study, that we would glean and be granted insight and wisdom from you through the study to encourage ourselves and to encourage others in our journey. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so James chapter 1, and our key verses for tonight will be James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. And you know, one of the primary verses for this entire quarter in resisting Satan comes from James. James chapter 4 and verse 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So tonight, the point that I hope to get across and to remind myself of and to encourage you and as we encourage each other is what does the power of temptation, the nature of temptation, the nature of sin itself, the nature of God, the nature of Satan, and man's nature, our natural inclinations. What, what do those things have to do with each other? And I think that we'll see tonight, I hope, to thread that needle and to get across the point that those things are absolutely correlated and they're absolutely related to one another and hopefully we can parse those things out, measure those things, and see how we can better deal with this problem, which is sin and the power of temptation to do evil. So to begin, we'll dive into James chapter 1 and see what we can conclude together. <clears throat> Verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But 
Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. James in verse 13 says, Do not be, do, let no one say when he is tempted. Okay? And maybe a small point here, but a point that we could take. It was certainly a point directed at the Jewish Christians that this letter was intended to. And I believe very much that we can apply it to ourselves today. He does not say if you will be tempted. He says when. Let no one say when he is tempted. Now, who is James talking to here in this letter that is in danger of being tempted? What kind of person, what kind of individual is he talking to? He calls them brothers, so it's other Christians. Other Christians. Now, is there anyone who is not subject to the power of temptation? Can you think of anybody? Somebody in a coma? Maybe. Didn't think about that one. Even Jesus was tempted. So everyone was tempted. Everyone is tempted. That's right. Jesus. We've talked about the temptation in the wilderness with Jesus and Satan. We've talked about that about every Wednesday night in this class, and that's for uh, good reason. Because we are Christians, does that mean that we will not be tempted? We've talked in this class on Wednesday night. That's right. We may be tempted more. Jesus was certainly tempted. Now, the temptation of Jesus, granted, was different than what we will maybe see here in our verses in James tonight, but we'll talk about that uh, a little more. But Jesus was absolutely tempted. And maybe that's something we need to remember. Maybe that's something that I could remind myself and my friends and family of that we're not perfect. And Jesus was absolutely tempted just as we were. He did not have some sort of special privileges in this life that made it so that he wasn't ever tempted. He didn't just not ever sin. He, he was tempted, but he never yielded to that temptation. We know Hebrews chapter 2, beginning in verse 4, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has power of death, that is the devil. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Because he himself has suffered when tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus wasn't only tempted. Jesus suffered when tempted. 
And what are some conclusions we could draw from that fact? That we could suffer from being tempted. That we, suffer from being tempted. That we can struggle with being tempted, that we will struggle with being tempted. And that Jesus did not have a good time when he was tempted. It was not easy for Jesus, is what this suggests. And I can't help but think of this idea of temptation and Jesus. This past, or earlier this summer, we were in San Diego and there was a, a young man that had told Abby that he wanted to talk to me. And so I talked to him after the service that Sunday morning and he was a new Christian and didn't grow up in the church. Not that it matters, but he said... Um, you know, I'm just having a really tough time letting go of the things that sparkle in this life. And I suggested Jesus and the cross, and hindsight might not have had the best, the best answers off the top of my head for him, but he said, you know, I just feel like I can't relate to Jesus. Because don't you think that Jesus had special privileges even when he was tempted? Angels came and ministered to him and etc. But that's, that's uh, whatever temptations, whatever privileges we think that he might have had or can try to justify our sin, he certainly had no advantages in this life. He was beaten. He had no place to rest his head. He was poor. And he certainly had no advantages on the cross. But the point is the power of temptation is real. It's something that we will face. It's something that Jesus faced. And that just because we are strong in our faith does not mean that we will not be tempted. Right. And I think, well, why would God tend to be in such a weakened state when the devil came on? I think it's so that we, so we can say, I don't think I'll ever be as weak as somebody who didn't have anything to eat for 40 days and then they're tempted with work. That just seems, it's, it's insane. I don't know that I'll ever be that weak. So if Jesus could be that weak and overcome, what's fine? Absolutely. Think about Christ. He didn't use any special powers when he was hanging on the cross. Absolutely. He still felt the pain from those nails going through his hands. Absolutely. And he could have avoided it all. Yes. He all he had to do was say, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. And just like us, mm -hmm. we say the exact same thing. We come under suffering and trials and we can say we don't want to do it and then we don't. We fall right in the sea. Absolutely. And so continuing, verse 13, James says, For God cannot be tempted with evil, and He Himself tempts no one. What, what does that mean? 
it may seem, and a lot of these things we're talking about tonight seem so basic. And they are. These are foundational principles, but they're very deep. And there's a lot here. What does it mean when James says, let no one say when he's being tempted that I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot, does not tempt anyone with evil. What, what does that mean about God? Brother Chip. Well, the next sentence that you already read says, because God cannot have evil. Um, our temptations are from within. goes on to explain that. Next. Absolutely. So the root of temptation is within ourselves. We desire something, and that makes it that's not that's not according to God's purpose for us. We wouldn't glorify God. Um, yet it's tempting, and, and for God, that is not a, a root of temptation for Him. There's nothing that He could possibly be attracted to that wouldn't. Toward his own glory. He's holy. God is holy. By the things of this life. He is not tempted by anything in this life. Is really the fundamental way of saying You bet. We should know where temptations are coming from. You mentioned this, uh, where, where this temptation is originating. And I said at the beginning of the class if we keep in mind, the nature of sin, the nature of temptation, God's nature, because it, it, it's all correlated. And, you know, there are so many points to this. We talked last Wednesday night, um, John talked about knowing our enemy, realizing where we stand. But if we're not careful, our enemy could be ourselves. We could be our own worst enemies, and James gets into this. What does it do with our viewpoint of God? How do we see God and our opinion of God if we realize objectively it is not God who is ever tempting us? What does that have to do with the power of temptation? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. He's actually going to help us overcome it. I think where we get confused, and I don't know if we can talk about this bit, is the difference between trials and temptations. They're not always the same because God does try us. Yes. And I think we get confused and we think, well, that's a temptation, so evidently He does tempt us. No, that's, it's not. But I think we need to make sure that we discern the difference. Absolutely. Ms. Belinda had mentioned that we can trust God. We need to understand the nature of God. James is saying here, God is not dangling a carrot in front of our faces every day trying to get us to sin. And why could that not be the case? Brother Chip's already mentioned this. It's that God is so far removed from evil. He is so far distanced from anything that is unholy or wicked. He is not ever, God is never tempted to sin, much less would He ever succumb or yield 
to that temptation and much less would he ever try to get us to yield to sin or to yield to do evil. God does not have an evil motive. God does not have malicious intent. He never does. That's not the nature of God. For God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself tempts no one. So out of the gate here with our dealing with temptation to sin, we need to realize who God is. That God is holy. God is not who is trying to get us to sin. We've got to mark him off the list. God did not create us in that way. Genesis 1.31 says that when God had finished creating the world, that it was very good. Not good, very good. And God didn't put sin in the garden. And as Miss Belinda had, had pointed out here, this teaches us, and maybe one point just to pull here, that we can trust, that we should trust in God. God always has our best interest at heart. He always has, and He always will. And that's what He's promised, and we can trust in His promises. And we're going to talk a lot about tonight with trust, submission. I mentioned James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Because trust has everything to do with our power, the power of temptation over our will. And I think we're going to get into that a lot more here directly. But if we continue on in our passage in James, verse 14, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Okay? Where is James saying in the context of James chapter 1, where is the temptation to sin coming from? Within. Within. James is, yes, sir. I was going to say, we're, we're all very different. You alluded to it, actually, several comments have alluded to it before this evening. But what tempts one person and is a danger to one person may be nothing to somebody else. And that can be frustrating if you're the person that's tempted by this thing and you see other people that have no you know, problem with this particular thing. But that doesn't mean that they don't have. Temptations that are just as dangerous and strong, but it's somewhere else. So, you know, we, we can't, A, you know, put people on a pedestal. They seem to have no problems and have no, don't have the same problems that we may. Uh, and B, it's good that getting back to knowing each other and confessing your sins and knowing what each individual is like and what they have either faced or overcome can help somebody else, like the young man you met in California. You know, that person, you know, there's lots and lots of people like that that they need to talk to somebody that may be dealing with the exact thing that they're dealing with. And by knowing each other, then we can say, I need you to talk to this person because this person can help me. But not necessarily happened to him because that wasn't exactly right. Where, you know, where knowing each other has more benefit than just saying that we know each other. We can know each other's strengths and weaknesses and help very specifically 
in areas where somebody may be struggling? We are all susceptible to temptation, and, and, and that's a good point. We need to be aware of that and have the humility to, to understand that with other people. Yes, sir. There should be, not that there isn't, but I think there should probably be more deliberate efforts for transparency. They go on all too often. We kind of go through lives knowing, knowing good and well that our brothers and sisters are going through secret, difficult things that may not. It's like it's no secret that we have our own struggles, and it's uh, oftentimes those go, those go unavoided. Or excuse me, undressed by by just to deliberately lean on each other and sharpen each other is, is so powerful. But there's also the understanding of self-denial is such a prevalent aspect of the followers of God throughout the entire Bible. You know, it, it, all the way back to the King of Eden is the temptation that King couldn't resist. And Jesus called to take up the cross, deny yourself, and to bear your cross. And, Inherent within us is that is are things that we have to deny. And that's been the case for God's followers ever since the beginning of time. Absolutely. We should, we should very much lean on each other knowing that that's the case. It's a great point. And as you mentioned, <clears throat> sin is not only an ancient problem, it is the most ancient problem. And in fact, sin is what the Bible is about. Um, at the beginning of Genesis, we see sin presented as the problem of humankind, and then the rest of Scripture is dealing with that problem and how to fix that problem. Speaking of ancient problems, what about Eve? You know, I mentioned Jesus and uh, Satan tempting Jesus has come up, I think, every Wednesday night so far this quarter, and that's an interesting read, certainly. And I think that every Wednesday night, just about that Eve has come up too. I don't know if you can think about sin and it's dissecting what sin is and parsing that out and not think of Eve. And this is critical. What was the source of temptation for Eve? What was its power over Eve that came into play in the garden? Mr. Ken, go ahead. Because her own desires were a problem. She had accessory to the sin, but her own desires that led to the temptation. Her own desires, just like here in James 1. And Absolutely. There were two desires that Satan hit her with. One was being food and basically wanting to do something we're told not to. Mm -hmm. The second was to be like God. Yes. And so either she wanted the food or she wanted to be like God within herself before Satan even came into the picture. The pursuit of knowledge. Saw that it was good to make one wise. That's what Satan had proposed to her. James says in the beginning of James chapter 1 to the Jewish Christians here, if anyone lacks wisdom, 
Let him seek God who gives generously. So our wisdom should always come from God. And that's always been the case. That's an ancient solution. The other temptation was to be like God. We might not always necessarily um, talk about that point, but that's a good point. Because when she thought about it, it sounded a little too good to her that maybe at the end of the day of that day, she could be her own God. And at the end of the day, she wouldn't have to report to anybody else. That was appealing to her. And that can be appealing to us. And that's something we need to consider. Um, and it's a direct rebellion against God. It's rebelling and refusing to submit to God. The pride of life. And when it comes down to it, Eve believed a lie. Satan had proposed something to her. Do you think that she had thought about it before? I don't think it happened that day. I think it's maybe an improper assumption, but you would think that she had been thinking maybe a little too much about this problem. And then when Satan that day spun the yarn with Eve, it was a little too strong for her. But I think that the, the, the main point for me, for, even for the purpose of this class tonight, is that when Satan proposed the temptation to her, the lie that he told her, at that moment, Eve's confidence, Eve's trust in God was in question. Whatever foundational faith and belief in God that she had, when Satan tempted her, that trust was shaken. And it was at that moment that her confidence and her trust in God was in question that at that moment she was willing, perhaps, to lay aside the will of God and to choose her own will. And as we know, choosing your own will is submitting to sin, and that's submitting to Satan. And does that make sense? Yielding to temptation has everything to do with where our confidence lies. And the power of temptation over ourselves and its power to sway us to actually act on sinning has everything to do with our will, our resolve to stand for good, to stand and submit to God has everything to do. It is absolutely indicative of just how powerful that temptation will be on our lives. Where we have finally, ultimately decided to place our trust, to place our confidence, exactly correlates to how powerful the temptation to sin will be in our lives. And as we see in James chapter 1, we can't explain away sin. 
It has nothing to do with God. God may be allowing sin, uh, temptation to come, but he's, He is not tempting us. It's a trial. Jesus had to learn obedience through this life. And maybe the temptation to sin and our succumbing to sin doesn't have near as much to do with our external forces, influences, as maybe we'd like to think. Our peers, our economic circumstance. But our problem lies within. Our problem comes from our own minds, our own thoughts. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And so, with sin comes a responsibility. And it's a great responsibility for each one of us to take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. And with great responsibility, God also has great expectations for us, does He not? What does God expect from us? What is he looking for from us? Can you think of anything? He's looking for us to overcome that temptation and to be stronger and truer to him. Just like he didn't tempt Abraham. He tried Abraham to let Abraham see what he was capable of doing for God. Same thing with anybody, Job, any of them. They, they were all going through trials. And when they came out the other side, they were stronger and faithful for them. Absolutely. And truer, truer person to God. Yes, sir. You mentioned we could speculate on whether Eve was thinking beforehand, maybe toying with it. I think we can be pretty confident she hadn't, as you said, prepared her will and her loins and gotten prepared to exist. Yes. And what God is expecting us to do is to love Him and to keep His commandments. That's what He told Adam and Eve in the garden. Jesus said the greatest commandment, love your, the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Trust the One who gives us life. And for tonight, one of the points I'd like to suggest is that are we not most likely, most vulnerable to the power of temptation at those moments when our confidence in God is in question? That's what the point that Jerry just alluded to. When we're vulnerable experiencing trials that may cause us to question our trust. Is God really looking out for me? Does God really know what's best for me? I, I don't know. Those moments is when we're most willing to lay aside the will of God, to not submit to the will of God, and to take matters into our own hands. And that's the problem of, of man. Because when man takes matters into his own hands, he makes a mess of it. Now, the nature of sin itself, in a nutshell, is man's revolting against God. It's a direct rebellion against God. Sin is the act 
Not the fault of a man fighting against God, deciding that he's not going to do his will. Is the power of temptation, is the temptation to sin in of itself sin for us? When we are tempted, is that sin? Absolutely not. We're all going to be tempted. It's when we act on those things. And there's, I mentioned a responsibility. We have a responsibility for the things we say yes to. We have a responsibility for the things we say no to. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 29, This alone have I found that God made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. We cannot explain sin away. In Romans chapter 1, verse 18, we know that Paul says there that we are without excuse, Jew or Gentile. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. So they were without excuse. And it's a sad story to have a God that so loved so many people for so long and people cared so little about Him and about His will. So how do we combat this power of temptation? And we've been alluding to it. How do we counter this power of temptation in our daily walk and help others with it as well? Yes, sir. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Mr. Stanger. is think ahead to what might be a temptation to us. And I think, well, if I, like, play what if, if I were in that situation, if I found out my husband was cheating on me with another woman, what would I do? Think about it ahead of time. Play what if with yourself. Like if Eve had said, what if some, one of these animals tries to, to get me to eat that fruit? What would I do? It's one thing we can do for a, a dry run, a dry rehearsal. Mr. Chip. Well, I think coming back to the earlier question you asked about what does it tell us about, what does it make us think about God when we think that He's not the source? Because He cannot be tempted. The way that we develop the ability to overcome sin is actually to become more like Him. Why is He not tempted? He's not tempted by anything this world has to offer. He created everything. Course, but he's not tempted to have anything this world has to offer. Um, we are. And usually temptation comes in the form of wanting something that we don't have. It can be the pride of, of something, a position or, or, or recognition or accolades. It can be it can be physical things, a house, a car, a wealth, whatever it might be. It, 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 it can be any of those things. And so the more we become less enticed by anything this world has to offer, the more we become like God. And the more we become like God, the less um, effect this world can have on us. It doesn't mean we won't be tempted, but our desires change. And uh, last thing I'll say about that around some things that John and David Lee and Jerry said about working together is, so what is what is our purpose among our fellow brothers and sisters? Our purpose among our fellow brothers and sisters, if we're confessing to one another where we may have struggles, is helping us develop that ability to, to look past those things in this life so that we're not as drawn to them 
So short answer is how we overcome temptation, become more like God. Absolutely. Become more like God. To learn and to develop and deepen our trust in God. Trust and obey, like the old song goes, because there's no other way. And that sounds good, and it, and it sounds simple, but we know that we can't trust people that we don't know. That's not how trust works. You have to know somebody before you can trust them, and we can't trust God if we don't know God, and know God in a biblical sense. The Philippians 3 know God, um, to know Him and the power of His resurrections. And when we know Him, we can trust Him, and when we trust Him, we'll be willing to submit ourselves to Him. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, James 4 says. And the question is, who will we ultimately submit ourselves to? We're going to have to submit ourselves to someone, if we submit to ourselves, that's submitting to Satan. Who will we ultimately place our trust and our confidence in? And how long is this going to go on? How long are we going to be tempted to sin and deal with this? Possibly. Chip? If I can, I'll add one more thing to becoming more like God. God says in 1 Corinthians 10 that He... So here's what, here's what God wants. God wants us to succeed. God wants us to love Him. God actually wants us to overcome temptation. In 1 Corinthians, we know that He says if we are not tempted to be beyond whatever we... something that we can bear. There is all, and He says there is a way of escape in every temptation. If you really believe that, in every there's a way to avoid being lured into acting on that temptation Absolutely. every time without fail. So if that's true and we're becoming more like God, then when we are with our brothers and sisters and someone's struggling with them, what role do we play? Are we playing a role that helps them find that way of escaping? Or are we someone that actually... <coughs> The How prepared are we? Like you said about the young man you met with in California, I, I think you did the best that you could, and I'm not saying that you couldn't have done any better. Uh, but when we think about our role, if our hearts are in the right place, we want people to succeed as well. We want our brothers and sisters to succeed. Absolutely. Um, our temptation to sin. And to submit or to rebel against submitting to God's will, I would suggest never goes away. And I say that because Jesus on the cross, the point of death, said, not my will, but thine be done, and gave up the ghost. That tells me that we're always going to be tempted to sin. But trusting in God, and we can trust in God. He has not his own self-interest at heart, but he has our best interest at heart. And if we ever needed any assurance of that, certainly 
the guarantee was the cross. And we need to, to think about that. And I mentioned to know God. We have to know God to trust Him. And to know God is also to know love. And that's the message of the cross. One of the messages of the cross. And what is our response to that knowledge? Our response to that love and that message of the cross? What should that do for our power of temptation? May have been a bad question. Strengthen our confidence. First John four nineteen, we love because he first loved us. So this love of God and the knowledge of God should be a guiding principle that governs our behavior, our thought, and aligns our will with his. And I would suggest that when that happens, it would seem that pow the power of temptation and temptation's power is certainly weakened at that point. And I wonder if that's what maybe there's a tie in James 4, 7, submit yourselves therefore to God, because if you do, what's that going to do for your likelihood of being, of yielding to sin? the more we submit ourselves and give ourselves over to God and love God and develop that love and develop that trust and knowledge and confidence in God, what does that do for the devil's cause? Absolutely. We have every reason to trust Him. And knowing where sin leads, and that's a bad place. And James 1.15 says that it ultimately leads to sin. And that's certainly where it led Eve. And that's where it will ultimately lead us. So thank everybody for your comments tonight.